of God on this Communion Sunday. Amen. Because it is Communion Sunday, a time where we celebrate and remember what Jesus Christ did for us. Amen. Nobody but him could do it. Amen. Amen. Mr. Will read for you here in Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. I'd like to read it again for you, uh, for your hearing as we begin on this blessed Sunday morning where God has shown his grace and mercy towards us. Uh, Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, as you stand in the presence of God, as we read his powerful word. The word of God says, the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hekiah, and it came to pass in the month of Chislu, in the 20th year, as I was in Sushan, the palace, that Hananiah, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped which were left of the captivity and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, the remnant that are left of the captivity there in the providence are in great affliction and reproach. And the walls of Jerusalem is also broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept, and mourned certain days, and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. The word of God for the people of God, praise be to God. God, once again, we come this blessed day that you have allowed us to see, excited about you and your word. God, we thank you for another opportunity, God, that we may stand on this side of heaven in the land of the living, to praise, glorify, and lift you up. God, you are so worthy. Therefore, we give you praise. We ask right now, God, that you visit us in this place. For we know that you are not limited to time nor space. So come down, almighty King, and be with us as we share your word. I pray in the name of Christ that you hide me behind the cross. Let everyone see you and not me in the name of Jesus. And we'll be so careful to give you all the praise, the honor, and the glory. For us in the blessed name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we do pray. If you agree, say amen. Amen. And amen. 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 The faculties of a first responder. The faculties of a first responder is our theme this morning. In preparation for this sermon, I wanted to remind you all within my introduction of a tragedy that occurred on American soil so horrific that it would shake you to your very core. But after the recent mass shootings that occurred in Buffalo, Texas, and just the other day in Tulsa, that killed, wounded, and left families in shock, I realized that there's no need to remind you of tragedies of the past when tragic events occur in America every day. But as a believer, a disciple, and follower of Jesus Christ, I have learned how to look for the silver lining even in the very midst of tragedy, by way of knowing 
and believing that when acts of violence and rage occur against innocent people, innocent children, God shows that he cares by way of raising, readying, and empowering individuals that will rush to the aid of those in distress. In our society, these individuals have been labeled as first responders. And first responders are everyday citizens, everyday people who are willing to risk life and limb, comfort and convenience to help those who find themselves in traumatic situations like mass shootings uh, if you let them. I found out that there were first responders on the scene in Texas that were forbidden to enter the school building that they could respond to the needs of the children in distress. You see, it's imperative in these days of peril, chaos, and calamity that first responders are allowed to do what God has ordained them to do, like in the days of the Bible. If you recall, when the Israelites were experiencing the tragedy of slavery, it was the Lord who raised, readied, and empowered a first responder named Moses who would deliver his people from their tragic situation of slavery. When the Jewish nation was threatened to be tragically destroyed, it was the Lord who raised, readied, and empowered a first responder named Esther that boldly stood up for her people. Many of you sit here today because in the midst of your trauma-filled situations in your life, it was the Lord who raised, readied, and empowered a first responder to affect your life. In your early elementary school years when everyone else was breezing through their ABCs and one, two, threes, except you, it was the Lord who caused your kindergarten teacher to be the first responder to your deficiency and get you the tutoring help you needed. See, when your single mother who was working two jobs but still struggling to keep your roof over your head, food on the table and clothes on your back, it was the Lord who raised, readied, and empowered your neighbor, your family member, or your church family to be first responders to your tragic situation. See, when tragedy arises, the Lord will send a first responder to help you through it, for his word declares it. See, when Jesus was declaring to his disciples in John chapter 14, not to be troubled in heart as he prepared to go away to prepare a place for them by way of the cross, which would be a tragic and trying time for his disciples. His promises to send them a helper, a first responder, by the name of the Holy Spirit would be with them forever to give them the help they needed. In these days of chaos and killing, I believe the Lord wants to raise and ready some first responders from within the Christian community that will be willing to risk life and limb, comfort and convenience to help those in distress. For it's we, the Christian community, 
that can bring not just physical help, but spiritual hope and healing as first responders to those who find themselves in trauma-filled situations. And here in the book of Nehemiah, a theological and historical book that allows us to see the author doing something with what he is saying. Now, I don't know about you, but I have great respect for people, especially men that do something with what they say. I believe we call that being a man of your word. See, Nehemiah was that type of brother who wasn't just talking about the turmoil his brothers who escaped and survived the exile were in at Jerusalem, but he was going to do something about it because Nehemiah was a doer, for he was the one who rallied the people together to accomplish something great in Jerusalem. He was a doer. He was the one who had the courage to stand in the midst of opposition in Jerusalem. He was a doer. He was the one committed to restore the spiritual mindset of the people in Jerusalem. Nehemiah was a doer. And in these days of trouble, God's looking for some doers that will do what he directs them to do by way of his unfailing word that will never, ever return back void but accomplish what it sets out to do. So help me, God. I believe God and many of us as well are tired of ditters who say, I did enough so I'm not doing anymore. I believe Jonah was a ditter, for he said, I witnessed enough. I'm not doing it anymore when it came down to witnessing to those in Nineveh. But we all know what happened to Jonah, amen? Now, now we, we need some doers who will be willing to be first responders to the needs, look at this, y'all, of those in distress. And Nehemiah is the prototype of a first responder for us to model ourselves after in this area. But in order for us to do so, we need to know what are the faculties that move Nehemiah to be a first responder. And this word faculties, it means having the ability and power to do. It means the innate or acquired ability to accomplish something. It's the capability to do what is needed. It means having what you need to get something done. It's being engraved with the things you need to accomplish what's set before you. And here in chapter 1, Nehemiah gets information on the particulars of what he needs to do. While in chapter 2, Nehemiah begins to put into practice what needs to be done. So it's important for us to know that in the life of a first responder, there will be particulars in regards to information of what you need to do. But it's followed up by actual practice of doing what needs to get done. Yeah, first responders are doers, y'all. Amen. So, so again, what are the faculties found in Nehemiah 
that gives him the ability, the power, and the capability to be a first responder. But before we look at my first point, I want us to look at my pre-point to the first point about first responders, which is found in what Nehemiah says in verse 1. Look what he says, y'all. He says, the words of Nehemiah, the son of Helkiah, and it came to pass in the month of Chislu, in the 20th year, as I was in Sushan, look, the palace. So here in verse 1, Nehemiah makes mention of his place of occupancy, which is the palace. And he is residing in the palace because of his occupational position, which is a cupbearer. So Nehemiah finds himself in a plush place while holding a position of prominence and prestige. Yes, Nehemiah was living a blessed life. Amen. But in spite of that, as we will see later, he is moved by God to be a first responder to the needs of his brothers and sisters, which means he would have to leave his plush place and his prestigious position to go see firsthand the great trouble that his Jewish brothers and sisters were in. I have learned, I have learned through the scriptures and real life that the Lord oftentimes persuades, pushes, and prompts individuals who reside in plush places and hold prestigious, uh, uh, prestigious uh, positions like you and I to be first responders to those in situations of distress. Yes, brothers and sisters like you and I. Now, you may say, Pastor Haman, I don't see my place of occupancy as a place of plush, but modest and serene, amen? And I don't feel as though my occupational position or my position in life is a position of prestige. But I come by this morning to, to differ with you because if you have received him, Jesus Christ, you have been given power to become sons and daughters of God. According to John 1 and 12, and because of that, the Bible declares in Ephesians 2 and 6 that you are seated in heavenly places right now in Christ Jesus. I, I believe that's a plush place for peculiar people. Amen. If you are a child of God, the Bible declares in Romans 8 and 17 that you are our heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. That Sounds like a position of prestige to me. The Bible declares in 1 Peter 2 and 9 that you are a chosen generation, a, a, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a, a, a God's own special people. Again, that sounds pretty prestigious to me, amen? So stop walking around with your head hanged down. Now you hold a prestigious position. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, I know we don't deserve it, but it's by God's grace that you and I have been blessed with the spiritual positions of prestige. Therefore, you and I are prime candidates to be first responders, just like Nehemiah, who 
faculties and abilities to be a first responder are shown in verses 2 and 3. Amen. Now, this is my first point, following my pre-point. Look what, look what uh, Nehemiah says in 2 and 3. He says, Hananiah, one of my brothers, arrived with men of, from Judah, and I questioned them about Jerusalem and the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. See, see, one of the first and most important faculties of a first responder is the ability to lay aside your own interest and take on a personal interest in the lives of other people that find themselves in tragic situations. And Nehemiah does that as he questions and inquires about his Jewish brothers and sisters that escaped and survived some difficult days while in captivity in Babylon. Now, when we usually talk, teach, and preach about Nehemiah, whose name translates as the comfort of Yahweh, we focus on the wall he was able to construct with the Lord's help in 52 days, which is a miracle in itself. But, but God is known to be the God of miracles, signs, and wonders. Just ask your great-great-grandma, who I guarantee experienced the miracle-working power of God in her life. Therefore, we should not be surprised. And the great news today is that God hasn't stopped performing miracles. For it's a miracle that you and I are here today. After all the stuff we did outside of God's will. But God, who is rich in mercy, had mercy on us. See, that's a miracle, y'all. Amen. You're a walking miracle. You're a breathing miracle. Hallelujah. I know some of the stuff I did. I should have been counting out a long time ago. But it's a miracle, God's miracle, that we're here today. But again, oftentimes, we focus on Nehemiah's great wall-building project, but fail to acknowledge why he rebuilt the walls around the city of Jerusalem. And the why goes back to Nehemiah being a first responder to the needs of the people. You see, it was customary for nations and tribes to have walls erected around them for protection from attack, disease, and unwanted guests. My God. Now, I don't know about you, but the, 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 the wall, the, the world we're living in today, I think I may need to erect some walls around my house. Yeah, and put some flowers outside some. For, for, for my family's protection, amen? But, but, but wait, wait a minute, I recant that statement because as a believer in Christ Jesus, he is a fence around me every day, protecting me, providing for me, keeping me, and he will do and has done the same for you. Jesus be a fence all around us every day, amen? We don't need to erect 
a physical wall for we walk in the newness of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who protects us. He says, grace and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. Amen. Nehemiah's great concern and personal interest was the people. I pray our government leaders are hearing this. Yeah, his concern was the people. Amen. Uh, was Carney, Carney? I pray you on you online, Carney. His concern was the people. <laughs> President Biden, his concern was the people and not himself. Therefore, Nehemiah, he inquires and asks his fellow countrymen about those who were in distress, trouble, and pain. When's the last time you inquired about somebody that you heard was going through? When's the last time you asked somebody how they were doing and hung around long enough to get an answer? That you can be that first responder to this situation. We know what we do. How you doing? And we keep it moving. No, God wants us as believers, as first responders, to stop. Wait a minute. Selah. And hear what's going on in the life of those we ask, how you doing today? That we can get the opportunity to respond to their needs as believers. Because truth be told, God has given us so much. Spiritually, physically, financially, oh my God, that we can help some folk. So I encourage you, hang around when you ask your neighbor how you doing, your coworker, amen, amen, and let them share their heart with you that you can respond the right way. It's about the people for Nehemiah. And he was able to do so with clarity because as a first responder, look at this, y'all, he realized that life didn't revolve around him and him alone. Come on, we have become some conceited Christians when we feel that life revolves around us and us alone. My God, amen. You see, when life revolves around you all the time, come on, all the time you're talking about you. love. I think the Supreme said that. Amen. <laughs> but we are that love. Amen. The world needs us. So it can't just be about us, but about others. Because your main focus is me, myself, and I. But when you take notice of Nehemiah's why and latch on to the Apostle Paul's guidance and direction in Philippians 2, 3, and 4, which is, look at this, y'all, to do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, look, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not only look at his own interests, it's not about me, but also to the interest of others. You are able to take on the mindset that makes it easy to be a first responder to those in the midst of tragedy 
are those who have been victims of tragic events in their lives. And where God is taking us as a church new direction, we need to be prepared to be first responders to the needs of those who have lost hope in Jesus Christ because of all the traumatic events going on around them and place it in temporal things that the world has to offer. The Lord is in need for us to be first responders that will take interest in others. Just like God took interest in us when we were in a state of shock because of sin. Amen? Amen. Another faculty revealed through the actions of Nehemiah is that First responders are capable of is having passion for the plight of others. Look at verse 4. He says, so it was when I heard these words. See, he asked the question and he hung around to hear the results. Amen. He wasn't busy. He was serious about his question and the people. Amen. That I sat down and wept and mourned for many days and fasted and prayed. Have you ever received information that caused you to break down like Nehemiah did? Information about a loved one, friend, co-worker, or neighbor that caused you to lose it and fall to your knees, cry, and be filled with sorrow. If so, you're in some good company because that's just what Nehemiah did. But in doing so, he showed that the first responders have passion for the misfortune of other people. Now, this word passion has two meanings to it. One of the meanings is to suffer or suffering. Jesus experienced this type of passion on the cross of Calvary for you. And I, amen, you missed your shout right there. Yeah, Jesus, he took on suffering for you and I. Passion. See, it was the passion of Christ that gave us the opportunity to overcome sin and be saved through his precious blood of which we will celebrate during communion today. Amen. There's another meaning for the word passion and it's an emotion. Look at this, y'all. Derived from devotion and care for someone or something. And it's that passion that Nehemiah shows as a first responder when he allows his emotions to cause him to weep, mourn, and fast, of which is a sign of grief he had after hearing the plight of the people, his people, in the city of Jerusalem. To Nehemiah's passion as a first responder is revealed through his weeping, his mourning, and his Fasting in this case, which is a sign of sorrow. See, he wasn't fasting to get God's attention. He was fasting because he felt sorrowful because of what he heard was happening in Jerusalem to his people. Amen. So this lets me know that it's okay to fast in the area of grief for others. When you hear what's going on in their life that's traumatic. Hallelujah. Your passion for those you see struggling through life is shown when you find your heart weeping and mourning for them. Amen? 
Come on, those families we see on the news that have been devastated by turmoil should bring out the passion in us as believers and cause us to weep and mourn for them. Amen? Folks tell me I don't even watch the news no more. I can't relate, y'all. See, I need to watch the news so I know who to weep and mourn for. I know who to respond to. I know who to pray for. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Now, now when, when, when you cross-reference the word weep here in the text, it takes you to the shortest verse in the Bible, which is found in John 11 and 35, which says Jesus wept. And Jesus wept to due to the plight and condition of his friend Lazarus, which was death. For the same passion that Nehemiah experienced is the same passion that Jesus experienced. Therefore, I think it's safe to say that Jesus was also a first responder. For in John eleven thirty five, 35, his emotion to weep out of passion for his friend confirms it. But due to Jesus being a first responder that has supernatural power to do supernatural things, he does so by raising his friend Lazarus from the dead. Now, Nehemiah, along with you and I, don't have the supernatural power to raise people from physical death. But as first responders full of passion that sometimes causes us to weep and mourn for the plight of other people who are lost and on their way to hell, we have power from on high to raise them from spiritual death, which is being separated from God by caring for them enough to share the life-changing, the life-renewing, the life-giving word of God to them. Amen? Yeah, Minister Will's teaching that in, in Sunday school, how to witness, amen, that folk can be saved and come into the knowledge of Jesus Christ. I encourage you, as I encourage myself, to let your passion to weep for the plight of the unsaved give you the boldness to share the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ with them, that they may come into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ and join the family of God. The last faculty of a first responder revealed by Nehemiah is the power to pray. Oh, amen. Let's look at verse 4 again at the latter portion. It says, and it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. You see, first responders know how significant prayer is. For it is their connection to the God of heaven, as Nehemiah lays claim to in verse 4. You see, it's the power of prayer that jumpstarts the soul of a first responder. So much so that they will sacrifice sleep and get up every morning at 6 a.m. to pray. That they may be in tune with God as they start their day that they may be uh, able to respond to the needs of others. Yeah, that, that prayer time we, 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 we tap into at 6 a.m., it's not just about us, but it's about others and how we are empowered to respond the right way. And if that's you, I believe you have some first responder running through your veins.
just like Nehemiah. Now, the prayer that Nehemiah prays after hearing the state of those in Jerusalem revealed to us in verse 5 through 11 here in chapter 1. Let me read this prayer, y'all. Let me read this prayer because it's powerful. It says, and, and said I, this is Nehemiah praying, I beseech thee, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and terrible God, that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his command. Remember, he's praying this after he hears the state of Jerusalem and the people in Jerusalem. Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now, day and night, for the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned. We have dealt very corruptly against thee and have not kept the commandments nor statutes nor judgments which thou commandest thy servant Moses. Remember, I beseech thee the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, If ye transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. But if ye return unto me and keep my commandments and do them, thou there where are you cast out unto the uttermost part of heaven. Yet will I gather them from thence and will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there. Now these are thy servants and thy people whom thou hast redeemed by the great and powerful strong hand. O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thy ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thy name and prosper. I pray thee, thy servant this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for he was the king's cupbearer. Now this prayer by Nehemiah, Nahum Yah, the comfort of Yahweh, has been deemed by scholars as one of the most moving prayers in the Old Testament. You see, Nehemiah's prayer as a first responder had a way of touching the heart of God, because within his prayer, he, uh, take note, exercises, look at this, humility and reverence in verse 5, intercession and confession in verse 6 and 7, recall and remembrance of God's promises in verses 8 and 9, relationship with thy people in verse 10, and petition for favor in verse 11. To Nehemiah's prayer as a first responder, revealed his heart's desire to God. And God who examines our hearts, he searches our hearts that are known to be deceitful and desperately wicked according to Jeremiah 17 and 9. But when the Lord sees that our hearts are pure and upright, he will withhold nothing from us as his dear, dear children who are now endowed with the faculties of a first responder that is willing to give up life and limb, comfort and convenience to help those in distress. And it's all because over 2,000 years ago, a man named Jesus did the same for us by way of being the first, first responder. Who shall we send, Lord, send me? To the distress that sin had us in, 
but through Jesus paying the ultimate price for our sins, which was death and in particular death on the cross. We are now able to defeat the stress, turn the tables on trauma, and act accordingly to affliction. All because Jesus, our first responder, he died, was buried, but on the third day, he got up with all power in his hand and declared, hallelujah, that they are mine and I am theirs. So now we, the born-again believer, can be first responders today and forevermore as we take a personal interest in others, have passion for the plight of all people. I said all people. Yeah, that Muslim brother you work with, have passion. That atheist sister that you still have passion. All people. And exercise the power of prayer that will touch the heart of God. God, we thank you. And we bless you today, God. We thank you, God, for your unfailing word that continues to give us examples of how to live this life on this side of heaven. God, you know, you know because you experience this side of heaven. You know things can be difficult to handle, to take in, God. But as we read and study your word and apply it to our lives, you give us the tools, you give us the information to make it through, God. And God, as we walk in the newness of you, help us to grab a hold of your word and these examples that we may be the first responders to those in need, those in need of physical help, those in need of emotional help, those in need of spiritual help, those in need of mental help. Help us, God, to have passion that overflows to compassion that we'll be, we'll be willing to risk it all just for you that will give up our convenience and our comfort. God, we're even ready to risk our lives to help somebody else the same way that, that you did. Help us, God, through the power of the Holy Spirit to reach beyond ourselves and do, be doers of your word and not just hearers of your word. In the blessed name of Jesus, God, help us today. Empower us today. Give us the boldness today to be first responders in a time where calamity and chaos is ever present. Help us, God, to have a heart that will weep for others that we might be a representation of you who showed your love towards us, that while we were yet sinners, 
you responded by dying for us. And God, we are so grateful today, God, as we look back over our lives and think things over, God. If it had not been for you responding to our cry, responding to our plea, responding to our surrender to you, God, where would we be? We thank you for being the ultimate first responder. That thought of not robbery, to suffer, bleed, and die for us, that we may have the right to eternal life. Help us to be more like you. Help us to take ourselves out of the way, not focus on ourselves, but focus on others as we draw not. for the hour.